Thanks for tuning in. This is Down the Fandom Hole, a podcast about the creative side of fandom and its amazing queer community. Join our host, fanfic writer and queer bear extraordinaire, Ayaka Spencer, as she and fellow fan creators share their fandom stories, talk creativity, and discuss inclusive spaces. While you listen, visit patreon.com slash down the fandom hole and check out the free companion post for this episode. There, you'll find creative content from today's guests, recommendations and shout-outs to other fandom creators, as well as links to follow Aya and her guests. So, hop to it and check it out. On today's episode, Anna Morris and I talk about angst, happiness, and all the emotions in between as we talk about her fix, what got her into pod ficking, and, well, you're going to have to keep listening to find out. Hi, I'm Ayaka Spencer, and today I'm talking with the amazingly funny and adorable Anna Morris. Hello, pleasure to be here. Thank you. We had a lot of fun during the pre-chat of this little episode. And Boy, so did we. <laughs> Let's just continue the fun. Before we begin, what are your pronouns? Um, I use she, her pronouns. Excellent. So to kind of start this off, what fandom got you into writing? Oh boy, that would have to be the Once Upon a Time fandom back in, I want to say 2013-ish, 2013, nice. 2014, somewhere around there. That was That's probably the first fandom I was ever a part of. My friend and I uh, actually ran an Instagram fan account for that for a while, which nice. actually was surprisingly popular. Um, and she was the one who actually got me into writing fan fiction for it. Embarrassingly, I wrote for the straight couple, rip, but I have since <laughs> since learned better. No hate to straight couples, but it was more peer pressure than anything. So which straight couple? Was it Hook and Emma? Yes, it was. I actually like them as a couple. I do. But I also like Swan Queen, so... Yeah, you know, it's not, it's not that they're, they're not a bad couple, certainly, but my friend was very invested in it, and I personally shipped Emma with nobody because she's a strong independent woman who don't need no man Mm -hmm. and back then I didn't know that women could like women so Mm -hmm. that was the next best alternative (laughs) which is hilarious to me now looking back I was like wow I really I don't know that I want her with a I don't know that I ship her with a man and then you know cut to a couple years later I'm like oh that makes so much more sense now. <laughs> right. And like epiphany and you're just like, oh, oh I like, like Oh, I can of like her. That explains it. Girls, that's I why can. I wasn't attracted to Hook when everyone else was. Of course, that's it. Yes, exactly. See, I didn't want Hook. I just thought they were, were a cute couple. And me neither. The thought of like shipping a, a non-canning couple was very weird to me. And then oh, I kind of then I kind of got into Supercorp and then I'm like, yeah, because I actually hadn't watched the show fully. And mm. so I was just like, oh, okay. So Kara and Lena get together and they're this adorable couple. No, not in the show at all. <laughs> and then I've already invested all this time and love and like interest into this non-canon ship. And I'm just like, I'm starting to see what everyone's talking about. And then, you know, fall in love with it myself and start writing stories and all that rabbit hole jazz stuff yeah for sure mm-hmm. I can't say I've, I've never been involved in the in the swan 
queen community, but uh, mm-hmm. I definitely knew of their existence back in the day. And at first I was like, I don't see the chemistry. And then looking back, I'm like, oh, I see it. I see where they got this from now. But I mean, yeah, Once Upon a Time was, it was definitely my, my gateway fandom. Could you imagine though, if they were like, um, if they actually were together canically, they would have oh been God. a badass lesbian couple. Right? The power that they would hold literally mm-hmm. and culturally. Oh, God, and I, and maybe I should get into fanfic for that. Mm-hmm. I, I want to read it. excellent just writer. I, I <laughs> damn near cry when I read your story. So go for it. Oh, you're very nice. Please, please. The domestic bliss you write, I love it. It's like my kryptonite. Oh, well, if it makes you feel better, it's uh, it's mine too. That's why I keep writing it. <laughs> you can't go wrong with some good classic domestic bliss. I think we need more of that, you know? Just Always. nice, quiet moments where you don't have to worry about the next impeding board meeting or craziness mm. and you're trying to make this little island of solitude amongst the chaos of the world that you have to leave and go out to so true mm-hmm. so yeah anywho anyway <laughs> i'm sorry i'm just musing about my my days in yield once upon a time fandom mm-hmm. those were those were dark days before the well, they were good days before the show jumped the shark. I didn't understand the Seattle switch. I was so lost. The what? They moved the show to Seattle. Like location-wise or like filming-wise? Like the story and probably location-wise. That makes so no They leave sense. Storybrooke. Somehow what? Emma leaves. Henry's an adult with a kid. And Regina's a bartender. But no Emma. Yeah, okay. I'm just going to... Yeah, I stopped watching midway through season five when I, that's about when I lost track of the plot. Once Frozen came around, I was like, hmm, hmm, all right, maybe, maybe we skip this. Yeah, I just completely skipped season six. As far as I'm concerned, it's only got five seasons, but I had stopped watching it prior and had thought Hook had died this entire time before I went back to watch it again. And I'm like, when is he going to die? When is he going to die? When is he going to die? But he kept coming back like some weird cat. And, you know, and like Emma went some dark. Weird cat. Yeah. Just yeah. I mean, you're it. right. Yeah. I once tried to actually map out all of the family trees in Storybrooke and in the Once Upon a Time universe. To this day, it's incomplete because I could not make it past like season four when I was like, whose aunt is whose? How is she your aunt and your niece? That makes no sense. Oh, that show was something else, but it was, it was my, it was my little first fandom. And so Mm -hmm. I will treasure it for that reason. And that was the first thing that got me writing fanfic on Wattpad. Oh, wow. I know, right? Long time Dark days. Eh, We all have to start somewhere. True. Fanfiction.net. AO3. Mm -hmm. Yes. Gold standard. Oh, yeah. The migration from fanfiction.net to AO3 was a big moment for me. I know. Me too. And I'm like, I won't even post there now. It's too much work. <laughs> I'm like, you'll find it on AO3. It's all you need to know. But you sure. should definitely start writing for uh, Swan Queen if you want to. Take back your original fandom and do something that you could love. It'd I be say. fun to rewatch and kind of see. Mm-hmm. 
because I, I had a similar experience with Pitch Perfect where I was like, people ship Becca and Chloe? Who knew? And mm-hmm. then I went back and watched it with that lens and I was like, oh, you know what? I see it now. Mm-hmm. I see where this could have gone. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder if that'll happen if I rewatch Once Upon a Time. I feel like it will be because then suddenly you'll be like, oh my God, look at that tension in the first scene where they're together and Regina looks like she wants to kill her. Maybe she really wants to kiss her. (laughs) Enemies to lovers, baby. Exactly. You know, they eventually learn mutual respect off of each other. So the progression for those two characters to become conically uh, lesbian couple, it's there. The track could easily have sworn left or right. So true. Instead of straight. Mm, Yeah. So, you know, liberalism. Just kidding. <laughs> Took me a minute to get there. I got there. <laughs> it's okay. It was one hell of a random thought. <laughs> Ignore it. <laughs> We're doing great. Woohoo! <laughs> oh, I hope this. I hope people love this episode simply because we're such dorks. We're having a great time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. So we kind of, I, 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 so which was your favorite fic that you've written so far of all the different fandoms? Because you write for Bly Manor fandom, the, what is it called? Damie? Yeah, Damie. Damie, you wrote for Hook, Captain, and Swan. Swan Captain? Swan Hook? Captain Swan. Captain Swan. That's it. You wrote for Captain Swan. Which of those um, fandoms is your favorite story? Oh man, written. I think I think all of the fandoms that I've written for and like published, I wrote for. I wrote for Once Upon a Time. I wrote for Frozen and then quickly deleted it because it was really bad. And then I wrote for. I wrote like a, a one shot for Pitch Perfect that never got published. I wrote for Winona Earp. I wrote for Bly Manor, and now I've just recently started writing for Critical Role because I have a slight addiction now. But anyway, I think. What's critical of, role? If I may take a tangent for a moment. Yeah. So it's a, it's, it is a group of nerdy ass voice actors sitting around and playing Dungeons and Dragons. Um, oh, it's okay. on, they stream on Twitch and YouTube and they have a podcast that's basically they're, just. They're all voice actors. You just said, right? Yeah. I think. Yeah. So it's really good. It. Okay. It's have, really good. I mean, three hours of playing Dungeons and Dragons, which I actually wouldn't mind trying to play one day. Because it seems mm-hmm. like a great way to learn to improv a story. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's, I started it about probably about a month ago, actually, almost to the day. And they recently started a new campaign. And I listened to it on my drive home from school. And I did not mean to get as into it as I did. And then now we're here 13,000 words, words later. So, oops. Nice. <laughs> but it is, it is quite a time if you ever, you ever give it a listen. Oh, I um, intend to. I intend to. Yeah. So wait, uh, you asked me what my favorite fic I've ever written was. Ooh, that's a really good question. I do love the one that I recently put up for Critical Role, but I do, I also really enjoy the one that I wrote for Bly Manor called We Let Precious Time Go By. Oh God, yes. Um, which is, I believe the one that I sent to you a couple weeks ago. Yes. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. That one was killer to write. Oh my God, I bet. Because after reading that story, I had to start reading everything you've ever written. And it's just got better and better. I mean, even your smut is a just Uh. chef's kiss. (laughs) I was just like, 
Oh my God. I have to ask. Him. <laughs> oh my God. You're so nice. Yeah. That one, my writing has improved and changed so much since I wrote that fic in 2020, mm-hmm. um, especially going through the mass author competition in the fandom. And that, that helped me grow so much as a writer, mm-hmm. but yeah, man, we let precious time go by. It was, I didn't even know what I was really getting at when I started writing it, but mm-hmm. I love the product so much because it is unfortunately um, pretty much angst, no fix it. Uh, but it's, no, it's literally, it's like, you just, you know where it's ending and all you're doing is reading how it gets there. Exactly. And the thoughts that Jamie is going through as she watches what's going with Danny, who you don't hear Danny's side of it because it's all from Jamie's point of view. And I love the mm-hmm. fact that you wrote with the English spelling of things to kind of embody the way she would think and kind of the um, idioms that they might say. Yeah, exactly. Like I love, I love peppering in little details and fix like that. And so it's very gratifying to me that people notice them. Yeah, I'm just, I'm clicking through it right now just to kind of remind myself because I, I'm a sucker for a good framing device and like mirroring. And so I usually choose my words very carefully. So repetition is always deliberate when I do it. Mm-hmm. And so I love, I love looking back and finding sentences that, you know, talk about poodles and daycare centers and then it comes back at the end, but it's, it comes back in a different light and it hurts even more. It's kind of funny, but like after reading, we let precious time go. And then I think reading your stilts, when Danny takes that walk to die I almost felt like it was a sequel like it was the other part of the story because it was just so well crafted that it felt like it could have been part of that story after reading we let precious time go because you were you're wondering what Danny's thinking as she's going through this hell as she's inches away from the water and she's stuck in a fugue state because suddenly she's looking at the woman maybe and you know how it is for her to be the vessel of this ghost who won't let her go for whatever reason as soon as you pass the threshold of the grounds of blind manor you are now hers and everything that you are your happiness and your sadness also belong to her i don't know if you've wrote written that written that story because i think you could do it complete justice if you haven't but yeah it was it was kind of like a nice thing to read after reading it from Jamie's perspective. That's really interesting, actually, because I wrote them actually almost exactly a year apart, which is really interesting. I never considered it as a sequel, but yeah, I can definitely see how it could be read that way for sure. And I actually really like that interpretation. It's yeah, when I wrote this one, it was kind of just it actually stemmed from a Tumblr prompt that was something along the lines of what happens if Jamie finds Danny before she gets into the lake and so I thought hmm how can I put a twist on that and so I did and it was more kind of the progression and the hopelessness and you know the feeling of being too late that I think is is apparently I'm a big fan of writing hopelessness wow looking at these two in particular you're talking about my domestic bliss earlier but oof. but here's I the do thing. love my angst I think there's a there's still a, a thread of joy even in your writing of hopelessness because 
you have the characters remembering the good parts of it, even as they are living this hopeless existence because the end is set. There's no change in it. She cannot change this end because of what's happening with Danny. It allows her the chance to come to grips with the end because not many people have that, you know? They don't know mm -hmm. when the end is. Granted, she's not 100% sure when that end is, but she knows there will be an end. And she yeah. knows what the ending will look like because... Danny will go back to Bly Manor so that the Lady of the Lake can go back to Bly Manor. And therefore, that's where she'll end up. So it's not like she's going to go, where did Danny go? Where's my, where's my, the love of my life? Where is this person? She knows exactly where she needs to go. And the only hope she has is that she does it before it actually happens. Not whether or not she can stop it, but whether or not she can be there to witness it, which yeah. I think that is a grain of hope in the moments of hopelessness. Because she might not have control of that end. She has control of everything else in the midst of it. And she tries to be a stable rock for Danny. She tries to bring in the brightness and airiness that Danny needs, even though she herself feels drained too, but not the same level of drained as Danny, because Danny is fighting against the ghost who wants to kill her. And so, you know, she has to be this the stone that Danny can lean on when she needs to lean on it and the the platform that Danny can just hold or the pillar that Danny can hold when she feels like she's about to be swept away which I think is beautiful I agree and that was that was so beautifully put um yeah I love that's that's pretty much the core of the reason why I, this is probably my favorite fic is just because it's it's Jamie trying to make the best of a shit situation and trying to make Danny as comfortable as she can in her last days. And in a way it's kind of a, uh, I've heard, I've had a couple people tell me they read it as comparable to a loved one with a terminal illness or, or a, a deteriorating mental well-being, mm -hmm. and like the hopelessness of like, they're still yours and you still love them, but it hurts to watch mm -hmm. them suffer but you have to stay strong for them mm -hmm. because they're suffering. And it's, it's kind of a complex thing because you're also suffering watching them go through this, but you can't do anything to fix it. No, no. Although I do wish on some degree, on some level, but not necessarily in your story, that when people are going through this in fiction, that they also show that they find their own sense of rock and sense of groundedness mm -hmm. outside of themselves so that it also shows that I'm here for you I'm doing this but I also need to take care of myself and even if mm -hmm. it's just a quick coffee in their garden because they need to stay nearby the person that they love they have the outlet to be able to recapture themselves as they slowly allow themselves to be stripped away for this person that they love and are watching die or watching lose memories that are cherished by one because only one remembers them now. No, exactly. I completely agree with what you said. And yes, absolutely. And I think my logic when I was writing this was, it was more about the process of recognizing that it hurt and finding not quite self-care, but reassurance in the acknowledgement of this is painful for people to watch because I think at that point when I was writing it I had read a lot of fics that were like either from Danny's perspective being like 
talking about how much it sucked to go through this, which yes, obviously she's possessed by a ghost and losing pieces of her life and how much Jamie was, you know, doting on her and taking care of her, but nothing ever showed Jamie's flip side of it, Mm -hmm. which is having to watch somebody go through this. And you're absolutely right. You need to take time for, to take care of yourself and your well-being, and find your sense of self in these troubled times. But yeah. I actually love the way you wrote the story. I like the way that it w- that it went and it wasn't, it, it wasn't saying that it was missing anything because I think it's perfect the way it is. It's just, and this is more like a, a, a tangent that kind of direct indirectly directly relates to the story is that sometimes just as human beings, we forget that we are allowed space to take a break, you know, and I feel like fan fiction can do that justice when it's necessary or when it makes sense and when it's appropriate. Like I, I'm writing this story called um, Kara. I don't know if you know anything about Supercorp, but basically there's this kryptonite that can change her to human. And so she's realizing as she and Lena grow older and they just celebrated like their 25th anniversary that Lena will die. Lena's end will be at some point, even though Lena's healthy, there's all these great things. She herself, Kara still looks like a young 25 year old. She has to wear an image inducer to age herself up because if she still looks like a 25 year old, she cannot still maintain her facade of being human. And so as she undergoes this moment where uh, this, I named it a Gal Gadot. (laughs) (laughs) This Gal Gadot alien who has an allergic reaction to food tends to blow out these uh, worst case scenarios for whoever they're fighting against, right? So like, Kara's blasted with her worst fear at the time after having been at the anniversary and realizing that Lena will die that becomes her worst fear having to be around and watch all those she loves because she had she has three kids with Lena she's like I'm they're half Kryptonian but they won't live as long as I will they might live half as long as I will I will still be here when they reach their end except she does have one daughter who's human and so you know realizing her youngest will die first and having to process all that fear out, she decides she wants to use Gold K to do that. And so now the entire story is going to be about her learning how to deal with choosing humanity and the um, short span of humans to live her life with the woman she loves. And so she's reached out to like Jean, who's like millennia old. And she's just like, how do you do it? How did you do it? And she seeks counsel from people so she doesn't feel alone and I think we forget to normalize that sometimes because we feel like we have to fight all these battles internally by ourselves because people will look down on us but to be that vulnerable is a huge amount of strength especially when you've cultivated friendships or you just seek people out who can do it because that's their professional job and you're taking care of yourself to take care of these other people. I think that was the point I was getting at. Where did I go? <laughs> no, I, I, yeah, I definitely hear the similar themes. And I should probably clarify. I did not take you saying that you, that people should take care of themselves as like a critique of this fic. I t- did not take it that way at all. I fully agree with you. Um, and I definitely hear very similar themes in the story that you're writing. And I've actually, 
I know very little about Supergirl, but I'd be curious to read it. And I know it definitely needs better representation and fit because I know in a lot of a lot of stories it's like they are each other's world and they are the only thing that exists and very few fics show them having outside support systems or friends unless it's like you know another character in the show who's like occasionally around but there's actually there's a fic by Alamini I think who's a good friend of mine who wrote about Jamie processing her grief with a friend for Mm -hmm. the masked author competition I think and that was actually really impactful for me because you don't really hear about that a lot about people, you know, especially uh, it was with an original character too, which was also unique, but it was so good to just kind of hear her get out of her shell and, you know, be coaxed back into the real world and to take care of herself and that sort of thing. And it was just, uh, reminded me of that. I know that right now, the generation coming up and growing older, they're much more open to the idea of at least the people I know are much more open to being honest about mental health, the disadvantages and the advantages of being honest about it. But I think the people who are older, who are still coming to grips with having to be okay with that vulnerable side and not feel that shame that was indoctrinated onto them because you had to look like your life was perfect. You had to be the Mm -hmm. perfect family. You had to have two and a half kids or whatever, you know, (laughs) this idealized, version of what you should have in order to be happy is unattainable for so many of them because Mm -hmm. of the way that the generation x view the world you know like i talk to people who are boomers and who are older and there's a sense of like well that's not my problem that's their problem i'm like but your lack of concern for this problem creates a much bigger problem for the people who you expect to be just like you but you cannot put yourself in their shoes because you're not seeing that you are the reason they have these problems and then you're making it their problem to fix your problem but you have no respect for the fact that they're going to figure out a way to do it and it's going to be almost 10 times harder for them to do it because you have stripped away something that needed to be there for them to be able to fix it quickly yeah absolutely sorry you don't have to agree with no you're no you're right though it's it's generational differences are are very interesting and you can absolutely see them, especially in um, a lot of smaller fandoms when you, when you see older people who have been around for a while and the themes that they write about versus young people. And I mean, most of the time they're on the same page. Like it's, it's the same, the same topics, but it's how different characters handle them and different interpretations of that, that I always find very fascinating. Yes. You kind of, if you, if you read um, fandoms that are older and you read the progression of the different fix and the different ships, you can kind of understand the way the generations themselves outside in the, I, I guess real life is stupid to say, because, you know, I'm talking mm-hmm. to you in real time, in real life, you just happen to mm-hmm. live clear across the world. But in the spaces that they inhabit, you can kind of see the progression between each generation just through fan fiction itself, or even the understanding- yeah, of the age of the person writing that fan fiction because their experiences from when they're older are going to are going to inform the way they write the words they use the prose they craft and if someone is learning to deconstruct old um, ideals that they didn't realize were wrong but now have to come to grips with that they have to reckon with that loss of security and i think there's also a need for grace for that because 
if you were raised thinking that um, blacks were below you and suddenly someone who's black is coming up in the world, it's a reframe of mind. It's, I'm, not, I'm not condoning that. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying that when you come from a world where treating women as though they're property and you're, there's still people old enough alive who remember that and still view that and have no reason to change their views because they're about to die. But you hope mm-hmm. to God that they haven't passed that ideal and that ideology onto their kids. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's sorry, getting a, really heavy. Very. I know. What happened to our, <laughs> our banter? So there's a large group of people passing outside my window right now. I don't know if you can hear them. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Woo. Uh, yeah, I mean. We really, we really just cycled through grief and generational trauma and intergenerational conflict all in one go. I feel like now we need to talk about Encanto. Have you watched that? I have watched Encanto. I watched it the other day. I love that movie so much. I think I've just watched my 10th time. It's so good. It's so good. It's, it's, it is very enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Um, there are TikToks deconstructing Encanto and the generational oh, yeah. trauma. I was like, oh my God, that's so true. This is why I like it. I know, right? Mm -hmm. It's it's always interesting to see the beliefs that get passed down. And I think it's, especially in intergenerational fan communities, not to tie it back to the topic of the podcast. Oh my God, um, thank you. (laughs) But you see in, in a lot of fandoms, especially the ones that I've been in, I've seen you know, there are people who are more than twice my age involved in fandom, which I think is fantastic, first of all. Um, your interest shouldn't die out at the age of 20, but it's it's anything they should blossom. Exactly. It's so interesting to see the ways that, that different generations react to things. Like on, I was on Twitter, for example, I'm part of the Winona Earp fandom more or less, a little bit less than I used to be, but that's more for personal reasons. And also the fact that I kept seeing so much conflict between the like older fans and the younger fans. And at at some point I realized like, this is just not a place that I want to be because Mm-hmm. It became less about the show and more about the fans and the relationships and the different belief systems. And it was just not, there was too much conflict to be good. I know they have that for the Super Corp too. I'm like, Twitter just feels like a platform of negativity sometimes. Exactly. Like I, I applaud people who can, you know, join Stan Twitter or whatever it's called and, and have a good time and make friends and, you know, meet partners there. And that's great for them. But there's just so much controversy and conflict, I think I found, Mm -hmm. but it's just not a place that I want to be. I'm more happy in my little corner of Tumblr where I just, you know, reblog my silly little gift sets and, and post my silly little fan fictions. And I don't, I don't need, you know, actor attention to validate my fan experience as a fan. Actually, I, prefer if they never saw anything that I did ever oh uh, my god can you imagine <laughs> someone who wrote like a fucking kinky ass <sighs> and then the the actual person who acted there's like read it you're just like did you just read my story about you in an indirect way I know like I'm like I'm like I know they're able to separate themselves from the characters but god there's got to be a part of them that's like that was this was a I did what? I did this. What? Yeah. There's obviously some exceptions. Like my friend Fumatic on AO3 mm-hmm. uh, makes and, and on YouTube makes incredible fan videos. And a lot of the actors who are in the shows that she makes fan videos for have seen them. Um, 
like at cons and shown them backstage and she's 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 very cool go check out her stuff if you if you haven't she does Winona Herb and I think she's done Clexa and uh and Bly Manor as well I shall but things like that where I'm like all right that's pretty cool because you're not mm-hmm. you're putting a new spin on work that they've already done but it's not like in a weird and invasive way mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which isn't to say that you know kinky fic is invasive obviously I- like to each to each their own but I don't think I could look an actor in the eye if they had read a fic that I wrote I, I yeah 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 I don't know if I could I, I I don't know if I could if it was like if it was a normal fic I'd be like okay I'll let this one go mm-hmm. but I think if I I don't know it would, it, it, it it's a very weird weird conflict and of course this is no no bashing to people who love to go to cons and meet the actors like that's a very cool experience that maybe I would love to have one day me too. Who knows? Yes. Who's to say? Right. So thinking about creativity now, what are your rituals when you're in the midst of creation? Ooh, okay. Do you like listen to music? Do you like me quiet? Ooh, Do you like really... to, I don't know, what you think? Hmm. That's a good question. It really depends. So most times I usually put in my earbuds mm-hmm. and I will pull up my laptop and I will open Google Chrome because on Google Chrome you can use night mode and mm-hmm. it makes everything darker when you use Google Docs and then I will change the page color to match that and write in a, in a gray because like the screen like can't be too bright and flashy otherwise it distracts me and then I will pop in Smart. an album by Jeff Victor called Celtic Romance or something like that. Are there a lot, like a lot of bagpipes and tin whistles? Please tell me there are bagpipes. There are some bagpipes. I love okay. the bagpipes oh so my much. Bagpipes and banjo, top two favorite instruments. Oh so my good. God. Yes, I love a good banjo. Plus the fiddle, amazing. I can live without the fiddle. Okay, there is this enough. hot woman. I apologize to the woman. She, <laughs> she, um, she's a piper. And so every so often she does these really cool um, changes, you know, like the ones where like they throw articles of clothing and somehow they yeah. end up on the person magically. <gasps> and so she, she dresses in like the old scholarly mate kind of outfits and she like makes them really cool looking. And then she starts playing the bagpipe. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll try to find Amazing. one and send it to you. Yes, please. Mm-hmm. I love the bagpipes. But we anyway, can, we can sing <laughs> over her together. Just kidding. Yes, please. Um, but yeah, so I usually put on some sort of instrumental or like deep focus music. And then I will set, I, lately I've been really loving the writing sprint bot in the in a Discord server, which you can mm-hmm. add to your own servers. But it, it you start a timer and it times you for 15 minutes and you put in your starting word count mm-hmm. and then you just write for 15 minutes and then you put your word count in at the end and it'll track how much you've written and it, you mm-hmm. can watch your word count grow. And I don't know why, but that thing enhances my productivity like nobody's business. If you ever wanted to try something new that wasn't in a Discord server, there's this uh, program on Dabble called Sprints. Ooh. And it actually, it's just a very simple screen. There's nothing else going on, but on the side, there's a word counter. And you can either form a group or you can just do it a solo. And then it tracks it for you. So you don't have to keep an eye on that. And it'll tell you. You can, I think the highest you could go is either 45 minutes or an hour for a sprint. And then, yeah, it t- does all that stuff for you. And it, if you add in words already, then it'll keep track of what you've added now. 
Ooh. So to show well, a I difference. Will be, I'll be trying that out for sure. Yep. That's get, awesome. I think it's on my thingy. I can try to send it to you. If not, that's I okay. I'll find it. Yeah. You're that's awesome. But yeah. <laughs> so I like that's using that sometimes. Easy. Super simple. The screen, I don't know if you can change it to dark mode. You might be able to inside of the okay. web server, but yeah. That's awesome. I will. I wrote that down. I'll definitely be checking that out. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, yeah, I usually sit somewhere comfortable or if I'm, or if it's warm, I'll go sit in a park and I will bring my laptop and a picnic blanket and just start writing. And um, I try not to get hung up on specific words, but uh, alas, it rarely ever works. Um, so I'm very picky about what words I use. So I usually have like a thesaurus and, and a reverse dictionary up in the background. So I can be like, oh God, I need a word for melancholy, but it needs to be more angry. And then I'll just type that in and hopefully it comes up. But uh, so what kind of, what reverse dictionary do you use? I use um, one look thesaurus reverse dictionary. And then I use word hippo for my thesaurus. Cause I really like that version. Oh, you know, I found a power thesaurus. They're pretty good. Oh, good to know. Mm-hmm. There's also one called Related Words, which has been very helpful as well. But One Look, mm. you said? One Look, yeah. Uh, O-N-E-L-O-O-K. One Look, okay. So, yeah, if you Google it, it'll come up. And you, it'll, you can type in like a word or a phrase and it'll spit words back at you that are like, is this what you're thinking of? Oh, so it kind of gives you the critical thought behind it. Like the, yeah. nice. Like if I you look up- Brenda could use that. Like I had a, like one of the examples I saw used- one that I used, I don't really remember was, um, like window frame. I couldn't remember mm-hmm. what it was. So I just put in, you know, border around window and there you go. Nice. It was that, great. That's very helpful. <laughs> yeah. And you this, learn words for specific things that you didn't even know existed. God, that's my thing. I'm like, I know this thing has a word, but I don't know what the word is. And I'm like trying to figure out how to explain it in Google Doc or Google. And it's like, is it this? I'm like, no, that's not no, it. No, that's not it. Exactly. What about this? Nope. That's still not it. Yeah. I know words. Where are the words? Just I know. <laughs> but anyway. But uh, yeah, I think in a very roundabout way, that's, that's more or less my ritual for creating. It's pretty simple. Sometimes I'll light a nice candle or get some uh, essential oils out. So what's your favorite candle to light up in? Oh, it's called Coastal Linen. It's a soy wax candle from Target. And it is my favorite smell ever. It's so good. If I could like bathe myself in Coastal Linen scented candle, I would. Okay. Sorry, I'm really passionate about the Coastal Linen scented candle. (laughs) If you ever get a chance to go to Paris and you have the cash, there is this scent lab where if you took the candle with you, you could probably make a perfume. (gasps) But it is pricey. So just know that oh. it would be like a, a splurge kind of thing that you would, but they would hold the, I think they would give you the scent formula and then you could make it again. <gasps> okay. I don't know when I'll ever be in Paris again, but mm-hmm. I'm keeping that in mind. But yeah. So yeah. The shit that's out there. I know. So pantser, planter, or planner. Can you repeat that? So are you a pantser, planter, or planner? And if you need definitions, I can give you those. I'm going to need the definition. Okay. So pantser is basically you write a story off the seat of your pants. You don't really have a plan. You might have like Uh, a basic like idea, but not necessarily like uh, shots to hit. Planter, I would 
put it more towards like scaffolding. So you have this, the higher, you have a very simple plan of what you want. And then you kind of build that, build up from those ideas. And then planner is like, you've planned everything with D. Mm, you've basically gotcha. written the story and now you just have to give it more fluff and stuff. Gotcha. I, I think I'm, I think I definitely fall in the middle. I think I'm a planter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I usually start with an idea um, and just a general concept or a prompt. And then I, if I have certain beats that I want to hit, I'll write them out. Mm-hmm. But most of the time it's just me being like, all right, I have an idea in my head and I know where it'll go once I get there. And then I just write as much as I can before I lose motivation. But if it's a longer work, which I uh, have never managed to finish or accomplish, I do have, I do write out outlines so I can track where I actually want it to go. But I, I'm very much a, a short fic kind of person. So most of the time outlines aren't always necessary, which is my preferred way of writing. Cause then I get too attached to the outline and it's like, well, can I deviate? But I prefer to kind of just go with, with what I'm writing at the time. Oh my God. Yes. Was for the longest time when I had started to write, I felt like everything had to be logical, make sense and follow like could happen in reality until Mm -hmm. someone reminded me very kindly. And I say that when they were actually not quite kind, but it was was very helpful. It wasn't not kind. It was just very blunt. So it wasn't softened, you know, that kind Mm -hmm. of thing. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, you're writing the story. What the fuck do you care if the clock is in the right color? I'm like, this is true. And then suddenly the world opened up. <laughs> Fair enough. I'm like, wait, I don't have to follow that. That's right. I can create some bullshit science and suddenly it can be happening. I'm definitely very, I've, it's, I nitpick about the weirdest things. For mm-hmm. me, it's definitely word choice. That's definitely my like, mm-hmm. my little, my little, mm, if it's not right, I can't do it. Mm-hmm. But I'll be like, I'll be like, I don't really care. Can they make a left turn here? Who cares? I don't know what street they're on. This doesn't exist. And then I'm also at the same time, like, how much would it cost in 1857 to get from St. Louis to California by train? Is it possible? Don't know, but I will find out because I need to make sure. It's like, it's, I spit, I, I swing wildly between the two. Or like, you think you have to follow canon and then you realize I'm a fanfic writer. I don't. Exactly. If I don't Fudge want it. them to have to fight the spree, they aren't going to fight the spree. They're going to fight the robo doctorates. I don't know. Something sure. else. You know, sure. You don't need, it doesn't need to make sense. This exactly. story just needs to be good. Exactly. You get to bend canon a little bit. Exactly. Hello, fanfic writer. I know. I actually never, I was always a canon compliant writer all the way up until um, the mass author competition. Mm-hmm. in the in over the summer uh, that was the first time I'd ever written an AU so what inspires you what do you find inspires you the most in general or to write or just to, to write or even in general whatever floats Ooh. whatever you'd like to share with the listeners of this podcast let's see what inspires me that's a really good question um I mean 99% of the time it's a it's a good queer couple that's usually the the at the baseline of where I start writing because I'm like I either have an idea for or something or it's a it's a prompt or um I usually get like an itch to write Mm -hmm. it's really weird it'll be like 
I need to write something, but I don't know what I write or what I'm going to write. And it can come from, sometimes it's a piece of art. Sometimes it's another piece of fic that I read. And I'm like, hmm, I wonder what would happen if this happened, but then this other thing happened or if they made a different choice here. And so it's it's one of those things where it's, I'm not entirely sure where it comes from. Yeah, a lot of the time it comes from, you know, conversations that I'm having with other people or if I, I really love media analysis. So I like nitpicking the details of, of TV shows and, and movies that I watch. Mm-hmm. And so I'll be like, all right, this relationship between these two people not even necessarily romantic. I'm like, all right, how did this happen? Why are they behaving this way toward each other? And I'll try and figure it out. Or if there's like a random prop in the background, sometimes I'm like, ooh, how did that get there? Which I know is so oddly specific, but yeah, I honestly can't say that I have one thing that I can solidly be like, yes, this is what I'm going to write. Sometimes it's just the desire for validation. That is true. And if there's people out there who love it, they will love it. And then you can get your dopamine hit and exactly. you can continue on with your life. So do you find yourself drawn to more conically uh, queer character, uh, couples or do you also feel like you could write for a non-conically queer couple? Oh, that's a good one. Um, I'm definitely more drawn to canonically queer couples just because I, <laughs> I, that is most of the media that I consume mm-hmm. deliberately. But I think I'm not, I'm certainly not opposed to writing for non-canonically queer couples, but usually there's, there's some inkling that like leads me in and I'm like, hmm, what if I thought about it this way? Or I'll, I'll read something from somewhere else and someone else will speculate and I'll think, hmm, okay, I could see that. But I'm, I think for me personally, I'm definitely more drawn towards canonically queer couples. So kind of going off on a little bit of a side note, what was it like your first time posting your fanfics and were you afraid of rejection? What kind of was going through your mind when you posted that first time? Oh, that's a really good question. Like I'd been, been, I've always been a strong writer and I've always had a good interest in, in writing, but you know, writing creatively was never really something that I pursued as anything other than a hobby. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I was like, Ooh, I am nowhere near as good as all of these incredible authors. So I must be bad. And so I was always, I was very, very hesitant posting my first fix because, you know, there's that fear of like, oh God, what if they hate me? What if whatever? But I kind of just started posting them for fun Mm -hmm. because I wasn't planning on posting them. So luckily the stakes were really low. And then at that point, people commented and gave me kudos and like came and gave me more prompts because they were like, no, these are really fun. And I really like them. I want to hear more from you. And I was like, what the fuck? Like what, what, what? Illegal. And it was genuinely, it was genuinely shocking (laughs) to me that people were like, no, you're, you're like a decent writer. We want to read more from you. And I was like, you, me, 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 what? Completely (laughs) makes sense. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm on board with this idea. (laughs) So, but yeah, I kept, most of it came from prompt fills because I was like, all right, sure. Let's, let's fill some prompts. Why not? And then it just escalated from there. And I absolutely, I think we talked about this a little bit a while ago, but it was such a gate opener for me. Because I allowed myself to experiment and find my writing style. And like at the beginning, I was kind of imitating people that I'd read and things that I, you know, had seen done before and, you know, writing styles. But then I, after writing so much, it just kind of developed more naturally. And what's really interesting is if you read my masked author fix in order, you can see the progression of me finding the way that I wanted to write. 
I look back on those first couple fix and I remember when I posted them, I was like, yeah, this is really good. And now looking back, I'm like, what was I thinking with this? But see, I think that's awesome, right? If you're, if you're willing to go through the pain of vulnerability and placing your first draft or first, you know, that you think is the best, you mm-hmm. place it and then you write more and you write more and you keep practicing and you keep doing and you keep thing. You actually get a chronological view of how you changed, how you f- turned your phrases, how you stopped using this phrase because you realized it wasn't giving you the impact you wanted or you found a better word and suddenly it became your word and you loved it so much and you kind of like, oh my God, I use this word a lot. And you're like, I'm okay with that. I like being this author who uses this word or you realize like, oh my God, I, my, my ability to say what I wanted in clarity was not there, but now it is. And I'm so happy that you started at the very crap and now you're not that crap and you're just getting yeah. crap, less crappy. You're like, yeah. Until you feel like, okay, I'm a decent writer and you yeah. might be a beautiful prose and you're just like uber humble because you got to see it. Right. It was wild when I got, when I finally got voted out of that competition, so much love to everyone involved, but uh, mm-hmm. I ended up placing, I ended up placing fourth and like outlasting. I genuinely did not think I was going to get past round two and I made it to round seven, which was absolutely insane and mind boggling to me mm-hmm. that I somehow kept staying in when all of these incredible authors kept getting eliminated. And I was like, what the fuck is happening? This must be a mistake. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that they said, my friends of mine and other authors said when I got eliminated was basically like, it was so fun to watch you develop a writing style over the competition. Because essentially that's what it was. It was like an eight week writing intensive because mm-hmm. every week you would, you would put out a new fic and you know they ranged from 500 to 3000 words. And it was just, yeah, it was absolutely incredible to watch. And it is writing fic has absolutely made me a much better writer. I'm, my organization is better. My editing capabilities are so much better. My ability to develop a story and tell what I want to say is so greatly improved. Yeah. Can't, anyway, I can't say enough good things about that comp, but uh, that's a conversation for another time. (laughs) What's also good is it helps you with your talking as well with your speech, because you can formulate these things and you, you have a better understanding of how you want to say things like for me, writing is really helping me with podcasting because oh yeah, I would have been tongue tied like throughout this entire thing, but I'm actually getting better. And then my the ability for me to podcast and talk with people, and because I try not to uh, what's it called? I try not to plan or prepare too much for these things because I want it to be somewhat off the cuff. Granted, mm-hmm. there's like a script, there's all these things, right? But I want it to feel organic, like two people just having fun, like having a conversation it's just a little bit more themed throughout it but writing and podcasting and delving into this creative mindset and this creative space is very helpful when having to deal with other people and you know maybe being able to speak up for yourself more because you're willing to write and put your work out there you're like you know I know I can do this even if it's under a pseudonym or a handle I know I can do this and all this kind of stuff and it helps build you I think. Yeah, absolutely. And there's also, there's also something, you know, a little validating from having people tell you that you're good at this Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, receiving comments. And of course there's like, Oh, I have a kudos. How exciting. Someone liked it enough to like, let me know about it. That's so fun. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, having that, having that reassurance 
is especially from strangers because it's it's one thing if your friends are like you're you're really good at this and like you know this this was I really enjoyed this because like you know they're your friends they want to make you feel good but when strangers do it it's like oh yeah they have no obligation to tell me anything no nope. yeah absolutely and Wild. they have no obligation or at least they don't feel like they have an obligation to be nice I mean sometimes exactly. they could just be downright nasty and you're like hmm exactly okay I'm ex- I'm extremely fortunate to have not had anyone be like this sucks you're terrible mm-hmm. um and I'm I'm very fortunate to especially in in this fandom have mm-hmm. have a lot of good friends who are very supportive and uh and that sort of thing but you're absolutely right people can be very people can just be terrible and you know it's it's so nice to see communities and fan communities come together around a shared love of something Mm -hmm. and a shared love of storytelling and you know having a good time together and man I do I do really like fandom I think fandom's awesome and I think if we can utilize it in a way it can be a space that allows us to augment everything else around us because Maybe we can find that common ground because we all love creating these stories or these contents centered around these people that we feel talk to us in some way and we can build stories off of them and all that cool stuff. You know, the things that bring us together as opposed to what can tear us apart. Exactly. I I feel like we need to put more of that energy into fandom, even if it's fandom that we don't like, maybe it's like, a ship that kind of is a rival of our own ship. If we can find and realize that there's space for both or so many of them, we can also learn that there's space for other people outside of fandom and hopefully, hopefully offer grace to people who need it. You know, we all make mistakes. If we keep thinking everyone's going to be the same as they grow older, we are fooling ourselves heavily. Oh yeah. You know, yeah. life is not meant to be certain. I know. I've been extremely fortunate to be part of a lot of really good fan communities and have found and have found very mm-hmm. nice little pockets of the internet where I can just, you know, have fun and bond with people over over shared loves of things. And it is so necessary to find time to enjoy the things that you enjoy without, you know, fear of judgment and the shared spaces are just such a blessing. Mm-hmm. You got to love them. And I mean Discord is awesome for creating that on a level where people can interact in a very organic kind of sense too. I mean, yeah. you can do video chatting, you can do voice chatting, you can do just messaging and you can do it in a space where everyone, it's like you can find all the great gray hats because all the gray hats are like you and you can find all the green hats and you're like, you know, I feel like wearing my purple hat today and you can find that space and you can enter into those spaces as you want so that maybe a portion of you can be can feel safe. Like maybe you're feeling anxious, but this place where I can wear my purple hat makes me feel less anxious, that kind of thing. Exactly. The Danny Jamie Discord is actually the first one that I've ever, you know, actively been a part of. And I've been so lucky to find such a nice place. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I've i made so many friends. I have found people that I interact with in real life and didn't even realize. Or we, you know, go to same schools or, or wow. you know, things like that. And it's just, you know, it's a very unique place and I've heard it's not quite the same elsewhere, but it is, it is weirdly like a family in that, like, we're all so weird and I love them. They're so weird. <laughs> That's funny. That was for me, that was audio frick books. I, and I think oh, it's because so it gave me something to do in order to find my place in it. 
and to feel safe. Cause like I have low spectrum autism, maybe mm-hmm. slight ADHD. Right. And so I need to feel like I can do something before I can feel like I'm part of something. And so if not, I'll be a lurker. And so being able to read fan fiction, have fun and not care about the fact that I'm reading this crack fic that is making me laugh hysterically like mm-hmm. at the beginning, um, made it easier to kind of create connections and find people. And when you can find spaces that allow you to be your awesome dorkiness, it's nice. Exactly. And it's been such a journey kind of coming to accept that part of myself because, mm-hmm. you know, I'm also, I'm also autistic and it's been a learning journey trying to figure out pieces of myself that I can share and having these online communities where I can actually really relate to people over things that I find absolutely fascinating and that they also find fascinating is so nice. Yeah. Yeah. Just, I love, I love my fandom and my online communities. I know it's certainly not the same for a lot of people and a lot of people, you know, find them cringy for reasons that I don't understand or have had negative experiences and I don't want to, you know, invalidate those folks, but damn. I do. I am very lucky to have found the people in the communities that I have. Agreed. So I met you on the audio Frickbook server. Yeah. Yes. I forgot who it was that said your voice is like a warm blanket. I have to agree. I absolutely love your voice. And you uh, read for what fandom again? What stories? Um, I read... Prime, I've, I read for Bly Manor, but I am currently working on a pod fic for the Critical Role fic that I just posted, which just me hanging out. But I primarily read for uh, Winona, or not, God, not Winona, Bly Manor. So what kind of, kind of got you started in the pod fics? Because Audio Frick Books does do pod fics, but you weren't part of Audio Frick Books when you started doing pod fics. No. Confusing, I know. <laughs> I got started completely by accident. <laughs> And when I say by accident, it was literally a right place, right time situation. So in the Danny Jamie server, we used to do live readings of a a very popular fan fiction in the fandom called Bloomtown by Not My Name. And I had never really tuned in for one. And I just happened to be around one day and I was like, yeah, sure. I'm bored. Let me listen in. Mm -hmm. And so there were a couple of people who were doing it and their narrator had to leave halfway through and they were like, does anyone want to do it? And no one wanted to. And I was like, sure. I'm just hanging out doing it. And so I was like, yeah, okay. And so I started narrating and finished the second half of the chapter. And then people were losing their minds in the chat. And I got a DM from one of the hosts afterwards being like, hey, so would you want to do that every week? And the rest is history. Nice. So what was that like? You know, was it fear inducing um, saying yes to that? And the first time you had to speak? Actually, yeah. What was, what was probably the first time I was ever on voice chat? But uh, I have a theater background, more mm-hmm. or less, um, though I'm usually more behind the scenes. I have, you know, performed my fair share of times and been in musicals and plays and whatnot. So I'm, it was pretty normal for me to be, you know, reading in front of people. And I always, you know, read the books out loud in English class or whatever when they popcorned, which is a nightmare. But anyway, uh, <laughs> so it wasn't super nerve wracking. I mean, it was a little bit because... I happened to dive in on the first chapter where there is some smut. And so I was narrating smut for people I'd never met. Wow. That was like jumping (laughs) in the deep end and then swimming. (laughs) I know. But the thing is, I am a go big, go home kind of person. So I just went all in. I read that in the most sensual way possible. And it was fantastic. (laughs) 
tell me there is a recording of that because I want to hear it. There is. There is. It's on my AO3. You can listen to the Bloomtown Podfic, the chapters that are posted at least. I will be doing that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it looks like chapter three is up, so you'll be able to hear that one um, if you really want to. But the first time, and when you listen to it, you have to forgive me. It was before I learned how to properly do Podfic. (laughs) So my mic is bad and my, my narration is not the best. But yeah, from there, it was just kind of fun and I occasionally will uh, read people bedtime stories in the discord, which is usually just narrating the most explicit stuff that they can find, (laughs) which is very entertaining for me and for them. But I mean, I don't always read. I don't always read smut. And then I've done, you know, a handful of things for audio frick books. And then I'm just, you know, working on my own right now, but it's really fun. And I really enjoyed doing it. Yeah. I'm not even going to, I laugh so hard when I read smut out loud. (laughs) I'm like, this is awesome. I just get really into it. I get, I go into like a trance when I'm narrating things and reading podfix. Like I'm like, I'm so in the zone. Mm-hmm. It's it's so weird. Like I was always the one who never broke when we were recording the podfix. I until someone else would have to break before me, but I never broke. Even when I was reading very explicit stuff. <laughs> but it's it's all in good fun and it's extremely entertaining. I'm here for a job and it's going to get done. Exactly. Like, I'm like, I am a professional, contrary to everything this podcast has come to know about me. (laughs) That's okay. It's a fun, loving podcast with no point other than just to have some fun. Yeah, it is. It is. a. It's a hoot and a holler. And I really, I really do enjoy reading it. It's like, that's a fun little hobby. Mm -hmm. And it's always very entertaining for me yeah and it's nice having like going to going into server and like maybe you're doing your work and you're like a live action podfic you know exactly. it's like a live action podcast you're just like oh okay it's cool I'm like oh having fun today all right cool maybe it's murder yeah. mystery day maybe it's marvel assemble day right maybe it's smut the fuck out of me day <laughs> i mean yes. yes those are the good days right probably. it's like oh my god and you're blushing as you're working on your stuff could you imagine listening to that on the bus (laughs) yeah yeah I could that sounds like something I would do a straight face and you're just like it's like when you make that little noise as you're reading smut and they're like what are you reading like oh nothing like don't worry about it you you read smut around people incredible (laughs) yeah I can keep a straight face while reading smut around people I have never tried listening to smut while around people there was somebody who was listening to me narrate something and they were like, I'm in the car. I'm in the car. I can't listen, but I have to focus, but I'm in the car and I want to listen. And we were like, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. I, it's funny. Cause I always hated my voice growing up. Like I always thought I had such an annoying voice. Cause I thought I sounded like some girl that I thought was annoying or, you know, something or other. And so the first time that people were like, oh my God, I love your voice. I was like, <laughs> Okay, sure you do there, pal. But then I kept getting asked to come do things. And I was like, what? Me? Me? Again, me? Yep. And so, yeah, it's very very similar to my fan fiction journey where I was like, yeah, okay, let's do it. And now it's something that I really enjoy doing. And it's one of those things that like, if I hadn't been in this fan community, I would never have considered doing. Mm -hmm. And it's something that brings me such joy and so I owe it to fandom once again. Mm-hmm. Fandom is pretty awesome. I love fandom myself for that reason. Ah, I know. 
Well, you do have a podcast about it. So <laughs> I do. And, you know, I started this thing so that I would, um, I honestly, I've wanted to start a podcast for like ever, but before the pandemic, I was always working and I had no idea what to talk about. And then I'm like, why can't I do a podcast about fan fiction or fandom? Hell Hello. yeah. And then it just kind of augmented from that. I first did it about NaNoWriMo. That was a crash and burn. Boom to the ground. But Oof. I'm like, well, maybe I could talk to fandom creators. Why couldn't I talk to fandom creators? And I, I didn't want to go crazy and forget how to talk to people because so true. that's one of my things is I can forget how to talk to people. And so, yeah, I have to read their stories. Then I can talk to them. And yeah, then I was they see us and maybe say the no. Maybe they're like, I have to think about it. And I'm like, cool. Invitation's always open. That's awesome. I was I was actually I was looking through your social media, not in like a stalkery way, but just out of a curiosity of like who have you had on? And I saw you had Ray on a period of time ago who's who's writing I know from Winona Earp. And I was like, I'm gonna be on the same podcast. She's actually the one who told me about Critical Role that I completely forgot about. She plays oh, Dungeons and Dragons too. That That's makes it. sense. I had known her fic from Winona Earp and then I followed her on Tumblr and I was like, me on the same podcast? Okay, we are not on the same level, but I'm honored to be here having a great time. And uh, yeah, this is very fun. Just FYI, and this will not be in the podcast. Well, maybe I should talk about it. I'm doing a tiny little event with four people, but she's writing a fic in my event. (gasps) That's so cool. Yes, it's called the Fandom Ho'olaulea. It's an anthology on AO3. It'll be posted under one account. And there's only four of us, me, Amelia Rowan, this person called Alex Wright, and Rady Magden. And Oh, that's so cool. So the first page will be the table of content, and then you can just uh, link. It'll link directly to the story, that the chapter that it's on. So it's like an anthology on AO3. And then uh, come March, they can put it on their own pages. Oh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. So it's not like a collection or an event. It's just it would be like getting a magazine that's so cool and I will keep an eye out for that if you follow the fandom hole on tumblr or even me you'll it'll you'll pop up I actually need I'm to on it put a post out today right so we are in the midst of a pandemic how yes. do you self-care Ooh, I read fan fiction which is a really uh blunt answer but that is legitimately my self-care I watch stand-up comedy and sketch comedy mm-hmm. and pet my dog when I'm home. Oh, what kind of doggy? I have a greyhound. Oh, wow. They're cute. Katie McGraw has that same kind of dog. Yes. My greyhound is, is black and she is a retired racer from Florida. Oh. We love her dearly. She's a little old lady, but she's very dumb, but we love her. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Gotta love yes. the adorable dum dums. <laughs> we really do. <laughs> yes, but my yeah, my self care pretty much consists of reading and writing fanfic and petting my dog, and that's oh, and hot showers. I do take a lot of hot showers. Hot showers are good. They're not good for your hair, though. I heard from my hair. Yeah, hair. but the thing is, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't care enough to. <laughs> I don't care enough to change it. I'm I'm perfectly happy with my damaged hair and hot skin. I'll take it. No, no, I get it. Believe me. But every so often, I like to take a very cold shower or as cold as my shower can get. Oh, interesting. Yes, it's a really good way to practice stress response. Oh, because 
who wants to step into a cold shower, who wants to maintain standing in a cold shower and not freak the fuck out. It's true. This person here talking to you. (laughs) It's true. It's a good way to learn how to handle stress in a controlled environment. It's actually a really smart idea. Maybe I will try that one day. Mm-hmm. Maybe not in the cold. I mean, if you want yeah. it to be cold, you I mean, just it step is step outside in shorts. It's true. I could go stand in the snow. Mm-hmm. It is currently, oh, it's currently, oh, it's 32 degrees. That's warmer than it has been. Oh, wow. Oh, it's supposed to, oh, it's snowing right now. That's fun. It'd be like that. <laughs> so Can't wait to walk to dinner later. I think I'm in Fahrenheit or Celsius. It says it is 26 degrees today here in sunny Honolulu. I feel like that can't be right. No, no, no. It's in, um, what are we, Fahrenheit or Celsius? We're, we're Fahrenheit. It's in Celsius. Okay, that's why. I don't know how to change it. Oh, there we go. 79 degrees. Ah, that, that would make more sense. That does make more sense. I'm like, it's too sunny to be that cold. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sorry. I was like, I was like, that makes no sense. Although these some mornings have been freezing and yeah, Hawaii Oof. are not built for the cold. Oh, yeah, I would imagine not. So do you have any fic recs for our viewers? Oh, I sure do. Okay. I got to go through my bookmarks because, oh, do I have some fic recs? So these three authors or these four authors rather are some of the best this fandom has to offer. They're all Bly Manor authors okay. um, among, among other things. Um, novel concept 26 is phenomenal. Um, she's also just novel concept or novel concepts on Tumblr. Um, not my name is phenomenal. You really can't go wrong with anything these guys write. Um, she's also not my name on Tumblr and away we go is actually, these are all the same on Tumblr. Uh, and away we go also writes fantastic fic, um, and obstetrists, uh, and, and away we go, Obstetrist and Not My Name were the three finalists of the Masked Author competition. So that's how you know they're really good. Nice. Um, they're phenomenal writers. Their storytelling is incredible, off the charts. Their characterization, their dialogue. You can't go wrong with anything they write. It's just fantastic. Okay. I'll have and to check I- them out. Yes. In terms of other fix, let's see. Okay my one of my number one fics of all time is called it's a Winona Earp fic and it is called you are a runner and I am my father's son by Harakiri daddy mm-hmm. on AO3 it is a coming of age fic and it is so good that is the one fic that I'm like if if the cast and crew were allowed to read fan fiction that is the one that I would be like you need to read this one <laughs> it is absolutely phenomenal Okay. It is uh, 145,000 words long. Oh, God. But, oh, God, it's so good. It's okay. so good. I need okay. to reread it. The Gay Smurf is another fantastic Winona author um, oh, yes. who is a friend of mine. Oh, I have a question. What are your thoughts on yeah. AVO? Ooh, that is a good question. Oh, okay. What are my thoughts on AVO? I'm really a don't knock until you try it kind of fic reader. I have read my fair share of ABO. I don't actively seek it out, but if it's something that's there, I'm like, yeah, okay, sure. I have nothing against it. I don't think I could ever write it, but if that's your thing, cool. Yeah, it's definitely one of those, like, when it's done well, it's good. I have seen some very toxic fics and toxic relationships and dynamics within ABO fanfiction that I strongly disagree with, especially because... A lot of ABO tends to overlap with the 
you know, the rape and non-contag. I have to say, I agree with you 100% about the toxicity that ABO can create. Mm-hmm. I love writing ABO. Oh, I do not. I try to stay as far away from the aspect of heats and ruts because so I, fair. they're too problematic for me, but I like the gender fluidity that mm. the ABO universe allows because no, that's so fair. Women can have naturally have penises. Absolutely. Men can naturally have um, vaginas. And then you have the whole myriad of is two alphas considered gay, even though one of them might be female and one of them might be male. You know, it allows for a lot of questioning of what creates a really secure and safe relationship. And then I just won't touch them. For me, ruts would be more like when it's the prime time for the alpha and the omega to make a baby, but it doesn't cause them to lose themselves in the process. Yeah, that's, yeah, no, that's, I, I fully agree with that. Like when it's done well, and I, I have not read any of your ABO, but I believe from what you said that it's done well. Uh, and from what I know about you, I, I totally agree with you, the gender fluidity. I think that's fascinating. And admittedly, I've not read enough ABO fic to really, you know, get into that and, and pick apart the nitty gritty and steering away from the toxicity is, is key, I think. And I think like what you said about them not losing themselves in, in heat or in rut, that's, I think, that's, I think the kicker for me, because it's a, it's exploring the relationship dynamics, not necessarily in a toxic way. I'm going to end this thought there because I don't know where I'm going. (laughs) I'm sorry. No, it's fine. I'm just, I'm getting distracted by the hooligans down the hall. Damn hooligans. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. What were we talking about before ABO? Self-care. Sure. (laughs) Sure. I'm. Yeah, I don't know what else there is to say on that topic. <laughs> I mean, you do what you got to do. Oh, we actually we were talking about fic wrecks. I'm sorry. We weren't talking. Oh, about yes. We were yes, talking we about were. fic wrecks. We were talking about fic wrecks. That's what I. Yes. Yes. Oh, I, boy. I apologize for that tangent change. Now let's swerve back in the lane. <laughs> so good. So good. This um, is going to be an awesome podcast. It's going to be so chaotic. Who knows? It might be entertaining. It's what we get when we're both autistic and trying to stay on topic. <laughs> you know, I think we've been doing a pretty good job. If nothing else, we've been doing an awesome job of engaging in each other's conversation. And so true. Hopefully people will follow along. If not, I mean, there is the editing floor. <laughs> That's true. That's very true. Yeah. Gosh. Okay. Fick Rex. Fick Rex. I've sent you a bunch of them and Honestly, anything by those authors are automatically going to fall under my thick wreck category. But yeah, there's just, there's so many good ones, especially in the Bly fandom. It's absolutely wild how many good ones there are. And I, for a while, I've, I've been on a mission and or was on a mission, depending on when I pick it back up again, to read every fic in the fandom. Um, and I'm currently around May 2021. So anything before May 2021, I have read. And it is incredible how many good fics there are in the fandom and like even even little ones that are like 700 word one shots there are some that I'm like holy cow I know these aren't super popular but they are phenomenal and they should get the recognition they deserve and so whenever I get an anon asking for me or asking me for fic recs I always I always try to drop in ones that aren't super popular to try and get them to branch out a little bit yeah I like 
My brain farted. Hold on. I've got nothing. Sorry. That's went okay. Away. And it went, push. You don't need that thought, Aya. <laughs> I apologize for the unprofessional level of this podcast. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> Thank you for going along on this crazy ass journey. <laughs> hey, man, it's my first podcast, too. I don't know what's going on. I know um, it's not your first podcast, but it is mine. And so I'm just, I'm making this up as I go. Well, thank you for coming on and being such an awesome conversationalist and oh, my pleasure going on tangents with me. It's been very nice. Of course. We had some really good conversations. I did not expect to get that deep. I hope we can have more conversations outside of this. Yeah. You're cool to talk to and I I appreciate your thoughts and perspectives. Yeah. I really enjoy talking to you. It's really fun. Cool. Anyway, I actually think this might be a good place to stop before we go down too many tangents and yeah (laughs) (laughs) so true although I'm not against it I don't think my podcast needs it (laughs) that's fair so it's fair and before we go any last words oh wow thank you so much for having me on this was really really fun and not something that I ever expected to be doing I will talk about fan fiction and fandom anytime because it is a special interest of mine and I'm actively studying it academically as well as through my own lived experience mm-hmm. and uh yeah that's all this was this was so much fun and please if you find any more um blind manner fix to read this is definitely a fandom I could get into there's <laughs> there's a lot of it makes me want to watch the show even though I'm terrified of scary shows so it's actually not that scary and music. I know what that sounds like. Okay, the mute, that's fair. It's the music, that's fair. Yeah, maybe. But, if I but Haunting of Hill mood. House is scarier. Mm, wouldn't know. I don't watch scary shows. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the first the first of the series of the, okay. of the haunting ofs. Uh, so is it like, uh, are they all the same? Is there like a connection other than they're all haunted? Or like, is there more of a depth to them than just? maybe like an they anthology similar... of scary movies yeah it's I mean they have it's done by the same guy and so like there's a lot of overlap between the cast and the storytelling style mm-hmm. and the themes are all there and so it's you know family and memory and love and loss and all of those things are very strong themes woven throughout both both series of the shows and I would honestly I would say Bly Manor is is less scary because definitely leans more heavily on the kind of emotional I don't even want to say fear on the emotional burden rather than jump scares and spooky ghosts in the supernatural. While both still have the element of the supernatural, I would definitely say Bly is is the least scary. Okay. I will give it a shot. (laughs) If it makes you feel better, there's a hot gardener and a hot au pair (laughs) to get invested in. I mean, that does make me happier more willing maybe (laughs) but I mean like that's why there's fan fiction I could just read it and then tumblr search because I mean they give things away pretty much although there have been gift sets in the super court fandom that I thought were real come to watch the scene I'm like that's not what happened true that person did an awesome job now I can forever (laughs) live in live in my head as the gay version (laughs) of course because that's really all we're looking for right more gay representation and pictures of gayness awesomeness gay awesomeness certainly who would i be if i didn't actively seek out and consume sapphic media exactly you gotta support the gays 
yes, support the gays, always. Support the gays, support the creatives, support the teams working to bring us gay, gay stories mm-hmm. on mainstream media. And then sharing their own stories through that media as well. Exactly. It's, oh, those are the good kind, I think. Mm-hmm. But yes, let everyone know where they can follow and find you at. Sure. So I'm most active at Moonflower Lesbians on Tumblr, um, but I'm also on Twitter at Anna underscore Morris underscore and on AO3 as Anna Morris. All right. Excellent. After you've taken a moment to follow and connect with Anna Morris, come follow me on Tumblr and TikTok as Down the Fandom Hole with Aya and as Aya Spencer on AO3. Links to both of our socials can be found by clicking the link in the episode's description for the free companion posts. There, you will also find shoutouts and recs for other fandom creators. And if you'd like access to supporter-only extras, become a subscriber. A huge thank you to everyone who supports the show, tunes in, and who have hit the follow and like buttons. Your support means everything. And last, don't forget to show some love to your favorite fandom creators. Always try to find that common ground. And no matter what anyone says, you are a creative and beautiful person. Peace out, Rainbow Trouts. And if you ever read on audio for books, please ping me so I can listen to your cozy blanket voice. I will definitely let you know. Excellent. Before I end this episode with Anna Morris, I'd like to invite you to a dress rehearsal this Sunday, February 13th, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for a live monthly event that Amelia Rowan and I are looking to start called Chit Chat and Cheesecake, which will also be the opening event for my Discord server, The Fandom Hole. We'll be talking about fandom, creativity current events, and pretty much anything and everything. We're open to suggestions and topics, questions. If you'd like to check it out or just give us your feedback, I provided a link for the server in the episode's description. See you there. And we're done. Okay. Bye. Bye.